and welcome to Book Bragger Podcast. Today I'm joined by Sarah Daniels, author of The Stranded. Sarah, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for having me. I'm going to read your bio taken from your website. Sarah Daniels was born and grew up in Derby, UK, and for as long as she can remember, she's loved books. She went to Liverpool to study archaeology and to Sheffield to study more archaeology and spent time working as a bookseller. Then, after more than a decade making up stories about the past, she decided to make up stories about other stuff too. She left the suburbs, began to write in the countryside, drinking too much coffee and eating too many snacks. She is represented by Felicity Blunt at Crocus Brown. Her debut novel, The Stranded, is out now. So what can you say about The Stranded? The Stranded is set in the near future. Um, It's set aboard a derelict cruise ship that's been stranded in the Atlantic Ocean for the past 40 years. Um, And it's populated by people who are descended from um, refugees who fled an apocalyptic virus outbreak in Europe. Um, And when they reached the safety of the Federated States, um, they weren't allowed to get off the ship. Um, so the story follows Esther and Nick, who are two, te- two teenagers um, who were born on the Arcadia, which is, called, which is the name of the ship. Um, they were raised there and um, they're probably going to die there like most of the other inhabitants of the ship. Um, but both of them have very, very different plans for escaping this kind of floating prison ship um Esther wants to follow a medical training program and um be granted uh, a new life on land for working with the government um whereas Nick is part of this kind of underground rebel movement that's determined to free everybody aboard the ship not just not just individual people um but when Nick is shot after um, engaging in an act of civil disobedience. Um, Esther is kidnapped by his friends and forced to treat his gunshot wounds. Um, And from there, their lives become entangled and things spiral out of control um, until the point where they're um, they're forced to choose whether to save themselves or save everybody aboard. That sounds amazing. Thank you. So my first question I wanted to ask you was, when did you know you wanted to be a writer? Well, as you as you said from my bio, um, I've always loved books, but actually writing them wasn't really anything that was on my radar when I was a kid. Um, I am from a working class council estate in the Midlands and it kind of felt like something that other people did. It wasn't really a, a job that somebody from my estate would necessarily pursue. Um, so I went to university and I studied archaeology, which I'm not sure is a particularly realistic <laughs> course of, of career either. Um, but then while I was doing my PhD and I was a bookseller at Waterstones, um, somebody said to me that, doing archaeology doing science is just finding a good story you know finding the evidence for a good story and and then you have to tell people the story um 
and pretty quickly I realized that making stories up was much more interesting than trying to find evidence for things that happened in the past um so I picked up my pen and started writing and I was hooked almost immediately and then I spent the next 10 years just refining my art and um and focusing really heavily on writing so yeah it was a kind of a process um that I came to over a number of years um but once I was once I decided that that's what I wanted to do then I just went for it so coming from that same question do you remember your first attempt at writing a novel yeah before I before I wrote The Stranded so The Stranded is my first finished novel um but before that I tried to write a middle grade story about um about Loch Ness Monsters kind of a sci-fi version where there was a scientist that was trying to create Loch Ness Monsters um so yeah that was really bad I didn't finish it but it did help me learn how to write so it, it was good um, I actually had a question about middle grades. Uh, I'll try and find just quickly. Yes, so the question was, I know you have a toddler at home and dedicated The Stranded to your family, but do you ever imagine writing a middle grade or something for your daughter? Um, yeah, I think, no, I did. I did write middle grade, but I think YA is is what I enjoy to do. Um, I I quite enjoy the kind of coming of age element of young adult and exploring how you, you make that transition from childhood to adulthood, which I guess you can do for middle grade as well. Um, but definitely YA is my main focus at the moment. And also I have a 10 year old son, so he's kind of going into the YA category now. Um, and I would like him to think that I'm cool. So, so I do write, I do write for the kids, but, but, you know, when they're a little bit older. And what is it you love about YA fiction and sci-fi thrillers? Um, I mean, with, with YA, it's this, it's this moment in a person's life where they kind of have to choose the direction that they're going to take that really appeals to me. Um, and I just, I love fast paced, you know, I love thrillers I love sci-fi I love cool kind of futuristic technologies and the fear that can come from those um and I love action scenes um and I love cliffhangers so thrillers and sci-fi and YA all together let me bring in all of these different elements that I enjoy writing for myself um and I enjoy reading and obviously I enjoy movies as well would I be right in saying you're a mentor for unpublished writers yeah that's right yeah, I um I do the Write Mentor Summer Program. Um and I'm at the moment on my fifth mentee. So I did, yeah, it's my third year, but I've I've mentored five people. Um and yeah, I I tend to choose people who have the same kind of um enjoy the same kind of work that I do, you know. So it's always it's always kind of um speculative and and very fast paced um with lots of action scenes and um it very kind of genre led fiction i think um 
but yeah if anybody wants to check it out the right mentor summer program is really good um the mentees spend three months with their mentors working on their manuscript and um they get a full manuscript report and then they get some um kind of one-to-one -one mentoring it it varies depending on what the mentor actually wants to do um and then you work together with your mentor on a submission package um and then at the end your submission package gets circulated in a um what do they call it a showcase an agent showcase and so far all of the people that i've mentored have had interest from agents at the end so it's definitely worth um kind of working through and trying to apply for the program if you've got a manuscript that you think you might need a little bit of help just to kind of get over the get over the finish line if you see what i mean yeah that sounds amazing yeah yeah it's really nice it's a really nice program yeah so backtracking a bit do you have any strange habits or quirks that you use to get yourself into the mood to write uh not really i'm a i'm unfortunately a um a chronic procrastinator so i tend to get up really early sit down and then spend the next however long um on social media and reading the news and then i'll check on goodreads to see what's happening there and add some more books and and then eventually when I've kind of got the procrastination out of my system after a few hours, I might open my document and, and try and read what I did the, the day before. But yeah, no, no actual rituals other than trying to get myself to work. I mean, that's still one, isn't it? Yeah, well, yeah, I suppose it is, yeah. <laughs> um, why did you decide to set the book on a cruise ship and have you cruised before? No, I haven't cruised. I um. Yeah, it's one of those things that I didn't really know much about before I started writing The Stranded, but now I know loads about. Um, it never really appealed. I think I'm not a big fan of kind of being in the water. I like to see it, but I don't like to be actually in the water very much. Um, so, you know, it was kind of an unknown and slightly unnerving setting so that appealed to me um, and then obviously in terms of storytelling trapping people on a ship is is basically like putting them on an island and it immediately gives you this really tense quite frightening um setting on in which to write a story did you ever study medicine and was this the reason behind making esther a nurse no, I've never studied medicine. But when I was an archaeologist, I was a specialist in um, skeletal anatomy. So I do know quite a lot about the body, the mammalian body anyway. Um, but no, I just, I do quite like medicine. I quite like knowing how bodies work and um, understanding how disease works and how you would repair people. Um, so I kind of had a background, low level knowledge <laughs> of of medicine um but no it was it was just it's just research so that has led me to have to you know research how do you treat somebody when they've been shot how do you dislocate somebody's fingers that kind of thing yeah so no it's all google okay. it's not <laughs> there's no actual knowledge there <laughs> just google which you never know is it accurate is it not who knows who knows <laughs> So we talked a bit about it already, but 
what are your tips for writing a dystopian novel? Um, I think, well, firstly, just write from the world. Um, there is so much there that you can you can draw on. And then um, my next tip would be to ask, like, take things a step further. So ask what would happen if. So my question for The Stranded was, what would happen if people couldn't get off this ship? You know, you have to kind of, you have to let your imagination go a little bit and um, see where it leads and take things to their kind of horrible, nightmarish extremes, essentially. But everything's based in the real world that I write about. What was the inspiration behind The Stranded? And were there any books that inspired you? Yeah, well, the, the actual inspiration was um, a, a photo of a refugee ship from the Second World War, um, part of the Armenian diaspora, I think. Um, and um, it was completely laden down with people, but it was kind of a, a, a celebration. You know, these people were escaping the terrible things that were happening to them. Um, but obviously being a dystopian writer, my immediate thought was what would happen if they weren't allowed to get off again um and um when i was writing it i thought you know this would be something that that hadn't happened um but once i got into things i realized that actually did happen quite frequently that refugee ships left europe um and then weren't allowed to land in their safe havens and then again we saw it with covid these cruise ships were getting quarantined they weren't allowed to leave um and I was just wondering what, you know, how would people survive in this scenario? Would they, would they build new societies? Would they learn to live or would it be just, you know, just bare survival? And so from that starting point, the Arcadia kind of grew into this big refugee camp with schools and restaurants and, and markets and, you know, people rebuilding essentially, but within the confines of this nightmarish cruise ship that was now kind of rotting and and unsustainable um, and in terms of the books that inspire me I was very much I started writing in that kind of golden era of of dystopian YA fiction so The Hunger Games was really fresh Divergent was there and doing really well and I was just like okay this, these are the things I love I'm gonna I'm gonna write as well um, it's taken me 10 years <laughs> to uh, to get to the end but um, but yeah it's very much a it's very much a kind of golden age of dystopian YA novel just brought forward into the COVID area era. Yeah so you mentioned how you used to be an archaeologist how does yeah. this play into your writing? Um, I think well, for me, archaeology was all, always about finding human stories. So I was always looking for evidence of how people lived and what their lives were like in the past. And I think with writing in the near future, I, I'm just doing exactly the same thing. You know, the, at the heart of, the, of my stories are human lives and human experiences and how we live and how we survive, you know. Um, and so I think that I'm just doing exactly the same thing, but I'm drawing on my own imagination instead of trying to find evidence of the past. Yeah. So I'm curious as to know how many times did 
this stranded get rejected before it landed a publishing deal with Penguin? And how did you deal with the rejections? You know what? I don't know. I don't have really very much idea of what happened behind the scenes because um, so I got my agent quite quickly after I did a a course called the um, Curtis Brown Creative novel writing course um, and that was another program after which you got to submit to a, a selection of agents and my agent liked my submission after the end of that course and I signed with her after some discussions and meetings and things um, and then we spent a lot of time rewriting and reworking we added 15,000 words to the manuscript um, so she had a lot of really good ideas and suggestions for the direction to take it um, and then we went on submission the first week of lockdown in 2020. Um, and I didn't want to know, like, I didn't want to know anything. I was, I didn't want to know who we submitted to. I didn't want to know who had declined it. Although I know we did get some, some no's. Um, so the kind of the next thing I know is I get an email to say that somebody's interested and that was that was it so I think my relationship is slightly unusual I know a lot of authors want to know when they're getting the nose but actually not knowing really let me kind of relax and um and I didn't worry too much when there were no's so I I, I trusted Felicity to tell me when I needed to know something so yeah that sounds it. like a good way to do it but it, it worked for me. Yeah, it definitely worked for me. I mean, I was still nervous. I was still yeah. checking my inbox all the time. But um, but I knew that I like I didn't need to chase because she was going to tell me when when the, so, when the time was right. Were you checking your inbox because you were like, is it going to be a no or is it going to be a yes today? Is it going to be a yes today? Yep. Yep. Oh, is it going to be a yes? Yeah, I think. Um, yeah, it's just such a hard time. It's I, it's so kind of fraught and anxious and publishing takes so so long so you know it's it's checking your inbox over a matter of weeks and then a matter of months to see if anybody's interested um but thankfully for me it was quite a quick turnaround um and penguin quite quickly said that they liked it and but then what happens is they have to go to meetings and they have to go to acquisitions and they have to get other team members on board so that was kind of a slow process um but yeah it was all very relaxed and and very kind of calm and good for the mental well-being I think to do it this way yeah so my next question and I hope this makes sense how long ago did the Arcadia stop being a cruise ship so I I wanted it to be kind of three generations removed from um, from the events that caused the people to flee Europe. Um, so that's that's the short answer. Three generations ago, um, and I, I think I have got somewhere the exact date that it set sail. Um, so I guess it it stopped being a cruise ship as soon as it started being a refugee haven. I would guess. So three generations, like now, now, it stopped being a cruise ship now. <laughs> oh no, I don't know. <laughs> I need to go and recalculate everything. <laughs> <laughs> so 
So the next question, going off the same sort of topic, is if you were stuck on the Arcadia, what would be the one thing you would bring with you? I don't know. This is a really hard question. And I was thinking about it and I the I kept coming back to things that would be cheating, really. So I was like, oh, I bring a Kindle so that I've got loads of books or oh, I'll bring a computer so that I can like I can use the Internet. Um, I don't know, maybe some cooking equipment or. Yeah, probably, probably a stove, a camping stove that would work. Then I could still carry on making food and coffee and. Yeah, that's probably a good luxury item to have. Probably, especially with the um, rare amounts of food you're getting on the ship as well, right? Yeah, yeah. And the difficulty if you get food that you need to cook, mm -hmm. then you can't cook it. Yeah, definitely. What would you take? Oh, I was thinking as I was writing the question, like that you were probably going to save your family, but I'd probably... <laughs> oh, I'd no. probably, I'd probably <laughs> well, I assumed they were there. <laughs> I assume they were they were with me. So if, yeah. if they if they weren't, then I'd take my family. Um, mm -hmm. what else would I take? Maybe like something to keep me company. Oh like, yeah, pet. that's really nice. Yeah, pet. yeah, yeah. Because there aren't many animals on the Arcadia, so yeah. a pet would be a good choice. What what pet though? Um, I've always been like a dog person, even though we have cats had like three cats uh -huh. Uh -huh. um so maybe like maybe a dog in this case yeah I think a dog would be a good like yeah. a good loyal dog that's going to help you look after yourself mm -hmm. I think would be yeah that would be a good choice yeah do you always know which direction you're going to take your story and plan out the twists and turns beforehand no I'm a total pantser I don't I can spend weeks plotting out a story and then I start writing and it just all goes out the window so I'm very much a you know sit down write see what happens in any particular chapter um so I do a quite quick first draft of 50,000 ish words and then I um I go back and I do a lot of editing um so yeah no 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 plotting all pantsing I'm afraid yeah that way you it's Sorry, let me find phrase this right. That way, you know, like, it's a mystery what's going to happen. Yep, yep. It's absolutely. always exciting. Yes, yeah. It does keep things fresh. Was there any reason why you chose the year 2094 to set the book in? Not really, no. I just, um, I kind of uh, chose a starting point and then knew that I wanted it to be I wanted it to be a story about the people three generations removed. So it would be the people that flee um, and then the next generation would be their children who were the first generation aboard the ship. But then the generation, the third generation would be the ones that kind of had no experience of living on land, um, but also no expectation that they would be able to leave. So I think I just wanted it to be very, um, very, solid that this was the situation and it wasn't going to change anytime soon do you have any funny stories that came from writing the stranded uh not really no I mean it's been a really long time so it's been it's been a good 10 years of working on this idea um I do 
you know, people ask quite frequently about very, very specific details of the ship um, and things that I would never have thought to, to kind of research. So one thing that somebody asked was how do the toilets work? So then I had to spend like a really long time <laughs> investigating how toilets work on cruise ships. So I guess that's the only really like just weird level of knowledge really that I have but it's not that funny it's not a funny story <laughs> yeah and I mean the outline of the cruise ship is in the book too isn't it yep it is yep yeah so in the in the book in the front and back covers there yep. are um some really nice maps that the artists created um but yeah it's um yeah, I have a lot of knowledge of cruise ships now that I never imagined I would yeah. have. Which character do you relate to the most? Um, I think I probably am most like Esther in terms of being a bit of a, you know, a goody two-shoes, works hard at school type person, doesn't really want to rock the boat. Um, uh, but... And then I would like to be more like her sister, May, who's much more rebellious and, and kind of a much more adventurous character. Um, and then the other person that I really relate to is Enid, who is the leader of uh, a gang that lives on part of the ship called the Flotilla, which is kind of a, a floating town, shantytown type area that spreads out all around the ship. Um, and Enid's the one that that always says what she wants to say. Um, so she's the one that instead of having an argument with somebody and then walking away and realizing the kind of snarky reply that she could have made, she's the one that kind of thinks of it on the spot and manages to be a bit sassy. Um, so yeah, I would I would like to be most like Enid, but I think I'm probably most like Esther. So Talking about a character you didn't mention, did you always know that you wanted to set Hadley's viewpoint in third person? It's my first time seeing it attempted in a novel. No, I didn't know. I um, the, the reason I started writing him in third person is that there's one scene in particular where he does something really, well, I mean, he's the villain, so he does lots and lots of horrible things. But one of the first scenes that he's in he interrogates a prisoner and he does something horrible to her. Um, and I was really struggling to kind of get inside his head or I was struggling with how close I had to be to that level of violence. Um, so I thought I'll just, I'll switch it to third person um, and I'll write the scene and then I'll go back and change it back. Uh, sorry, all the way around. I'll switch, yeah, I'll switch it to third person, yeah. And, I'll, and then I'll go back and rewrite it in first person. But actually it worked. It was, a, it was kind of an accident. It was just a, um, a way for me to, to deal with the closeness to violence rather than um, an actual choice. Um, so yeah, that's it really. It worked and everybody seemed to like it when they read it. So, so I just thought um, I'd leave it like that. Yeah. So does Hadley have a backstory as to why he acts the way he does? Yeah, he does. I, he's quite a tragic figure. Um, but um, I don't want to say too much because I think it'll give away too much of the plot. But um, he 
essentially is a product a product of having loved somebody and lost them yeah i i remember that yeah (laughs) so i think before we get to the end of our questions i've got a few last ones so what can you tease us with about book two the exiled so what can i tell you it's set six months after the events of the stranded um we have a number of the main characters still um in the story um including esther and nick so it very much focuses on their story now um but i think all i can tell you is that they haven't um they haven't gained the freedoms that they had hoped they would um and there's a lot of betrayal that's going to happen a lot of bad things are going to happen to them they're going to have to kind of come to terms with and face the events of the stranded and their guilt at everything that happens um and then there will be a final showdown with the federated states and i think that's all i can tell you yeah, I didn't realise until recently that the Federated States was a name for the United States, just in mm-hmm. the future. Yep, yep. So it's it's um, it's set after a kind of civil war. Um, some of the states broke away from the rest of the United States. Um, so, yeah, yeah, it's kind of a fractured United States. Yeah. Um, yeah. And there are border walls and border wars um, and kind of ongoing fights with with other states outside the Federated States. Yeah. I think I saw on your Instagram, like, you put, like, a hint as to, like, book two. And there was one paper that said revenge. <laughs> it did. Yep. Yep. There is going to be some revenge going on. Yeah. Yep. Loads of revenge. Loads of revenge. <laughs> loads of betrayal um loads of cliffhangers yeah it's good yeah I enjoyed writing it yeah so the way you say cliffhangers does that mean there'll be a book three no no book three unfortunately um but yeah the cliff the cliffhangers at the end of chapters is something that I quite enjoy doing to I don't know keep the tension high or enrage the reader so that they continue turning the page um but no there there is a definite a definite end point to this story mm-hmm. let's hope it's a good ending and the characters get what they want but we'll have to wait and see yep yep you got to wait and see so your book is also available as an audiobook did you have any say in the narrators yeah, I did. Well, only I mean only a, only a little bit. So um in advance of the recording, I was sent um a selection. They the publishers had kind of selected um I think maybe nine or 10 potential people that were available and were interested in in narrating it. Um and then I I didn't get to choose or anything. I, but I, you know, I said, X person sounds like one of these characters, or um, I think this actor and this actor would re- work really well together. 
Um, so yeah, I had a little bit of input, but I didn't get to choose. I think some writers do get to choose. Mm, yeah, sure. yeah. But that's really hard because, you know, if you don't choose somebody, then, you know, it, it's a job and they don't get the job. So I was actually, I was very pleased not to have that kind of responsibility. Yeah. So what did your family think about your writing? Do they offer advice and support? Yeah, I mean, my kids, my kids don't really exactly understand because obviously they're all under 10. Um, so my oldest two kind of have an idea about what I do. And, and I've already mentioned my son who I really, really want him to think that I'm cool. So um, like when I did my book tour, it ended at Yelp, which is at Comic Con. And um, he was saying things like, but why do they want you to talk at Comic Con, Mom? And I was like, because I've written a good book that people like. Um, so yeah, I mean, it's, it's, the children are supportive, yes, but they don't entirely understand what this is. And then my husband, bless him, he is not a big reader. Um, he reads about one book a year, um, purely because he's very, very slow at reading. Um, and he is the worst critique partner I have ever had because he will not tell me I've written a bad word. Like never, I I know that I have written bad sentences and he would turn around and say, that's amazing. So yeah, he's very, very supportive, but he's not very useful in terms of giving me feedback. So yeah, he's read it now. Um, that's his one book for the year. And yeah. then he's going to read The Exiled next year. <laughs> <laughs> when I write my books, I usually try and just write them. And then I go back and I'm like, What's a stronger word? What's a really deep word I can insert here? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, that's a, that is a good way to be. Yeah. What is, what is next for you? Well, I'm working on book two at the moment. So I'm working through structure, structural edits um, of The Exiled. Um, and I am just getting into the launch of The Stranded in the US. So the US is due to launch in uh, January, 2023. So I'm doing some publicity for that. Um, and my current work in progress is also, is also in development. And that's kind of a, um, another near future sci-fi, um, but that's set in two parallel versions of London. So I'm just having fun with that at the moment. Yeah, obviously you can't say too much about it because it hasn't been announced. It hasn't been announced, it hasn't been sold. I've not shown the, my publisher or my agent or anyone, so I don't know, they might just decide that it's rubbish. <laughs> Let's hope for the best. because Yeah, yeah, but you never know in this industry. Yeah, I think like most people were like, are like, oh, you're a writer, every book you right is going to get published but that's not the case is it no nope, it's not the case nope it happens more times than people realize that you know authors can write a book and sell it and then the next one won't sell or the next one won't sell nothing's certain i'm afraid so lastly where can readers find you online oh i'm everywhere i'm on twitter i'm on uh, instagram i've got a web page um I'm on Facebook, but I don't really use it very much. 
Um, and I've just started doing TikToks, which are fun and sometimes mortifying. But yeah, I quite I'm quite enjoying TikTok at the moment. If anybody wants to find me there. Yeah. You because I think I saw like you posted from TikTok to your Instagram, like sprayed edges of your book. Yes. Yeah. And they turned out well. I was surprised. I just saw um I saw another author spray the edges of their book. And it's literally just some spray paint and a clamp and yeah it worked out worked out really well yeah sometimes sometimes (laughs) the pages get stuck but that didn't happen when you did it right no no they were okay yeah yeah what was what was the author or who was the author it was Kate Dillon who has written a really really good book called Mindwalker um which is out on in the first week of September I think which is also kind of a near future sci-fi thriller um which she pitches as for fans of Dark Angel or Marvel movies. So yeah, yeah, definitely check it out. What was the author you were doing an interview with where she got the book about witches and it's set in like Italy? Oh yes, that's Kat Delacourt's um, With Fire in Their Blood. Also brilliant, brilliant. That's out in a couple of weeks as well. Yeah. Um, it's a paranormal, a paranormal romance set in... Um, a contemporary Italian town where they still burn witches at the stake. Yeah. So yeah, it's that's really kind of heart-stopping dark. action. It's good. And dark as well. I bet it was. And dark as well, dark. yeah. Very gothic. Yeah. So just finally, what were the um tags or where can we just find you online? Like what I meant by that is like what's the handles? So I'm at uh Sarah Dan books on Twitter um and I think the same on Instagram and uh on TikTok I think it's SM Daniels but I don't know exactly I think if you search Sarah Daniels author it should most of them should come up yeah I'm pretty sure it's Sarah Daniels books on Instagram oh it might be Sarah Daniels books yeah it's one of those things like my name's so boring that there are a million Sarah Daniels already on everything. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I bet it's hard to find one that someone hasn't already used. Exactly. Right? Yeah. So I almost ended up with Sarah Daniels, one, two, three, four, five, six, so yeah. <laughs> Whatever it is they do as the as the yeah. author. Yeah. 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 Well, it was lovely getting to interview you. Oh yeah, thank you so much. When yeah, I when I read nice. the book, I was like, ooh, this would be a good author to interview. And now oh, it's Oh, good. <laughs> well, maybe you'll have me back next year before yeah. the exiled. Yeah, that would be lovely. Yeah. I look forward to that. Okay. Well, thank you so much. Yeah. It's been a pleasure to have you.